five, four, three, two, fun. Welcome to another episode of the Ready, Set, Home podcast, your premier show for everything to do with the Vancouver Titans and the Toronto Defiant. I am Chris at Lightforce, the voice coming to you from the great, great, great beyond. Well, I guess it's whatever device you might be listening to us on. Yeah, the, uh, yeah, the great beyond sounds kind of morbid. It does, it does I guess, <laughs> doesn't it? The great digital divide. Okay, yeah, that's better. You know, let's... let's this is Chris at Lightforce coming to you from the great digital divide. <laughs> if I had a rewind sound, I should have just like dropped it right there. Yeah. It's like a zip, 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 zip. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but uh, joined virtually as always by Omni at Omni Strife. Welcome. How's it going? Oh, a great weekend we had. Like, uh, so, so many things happened uh, in terms of Overwatch. I f- it feels like we had 200 games played. Uh, everything that we thought we knew. We didn't really know. Uh, what, are ta- what are you talking about? We knew it all. Yeah, my predictions certainly didn't look <laughs> like that. Okay, so um, we'll get into the pickums. Yeah. I actually didn't do too badly this weekend. It, uh, I didn't. I didn't get the four. I only got two of the four oh teams. Man. I was. I was catching up from just the games. I was catching up really quickly. I was like gaining upon all you, all you guys who who started off strong, and then like I went zero and four with my. Uh, predictions with for the whoever progresses and like what else happened i mean is the battle of canada a secret bread bowl we're gonna talk uh, about that too <laughs> it's the secret bread bowl yeah well we, we didn't assume it was right maybe well, now no, but like how like it's the same <laughs> same loaf of bread is it not are there like canadian breads I don't know. I'm not a bread expert. This is a Overwatch League podcast. There's apparently there's a lemon bread, but that looks more like a like dessert, it, dessert thing. I feel that it would be more representative of the milk bowl because <laughs> out east it's bagged milk, and here yeah, out west yeah. we get it's our milk cartons. out of cartons and jugs. Yeah, it blows my mind a number of times. People are like, man, y'all in Canada. You drink milk out of bags? And I'm like, no, that's an Eastern thing. But mm-hmm. I am old enough to remember bagged milk actually being a thing out West here. Yeah, I don't know what why happened. it didn't take off. Like from know. my childhood too, I remember there was uh, a lot, a lot. Well, I think you can still get it like in the Middle East with like either bagged or, or uh carton, carton being a little bit more expensive, but mm-hmm. it's all good. Well, it can, well, bag- it can, can make a mess, but you could, you know, make a mess out of a carton milk too. But you think about it, like a carton, like sometimes you go and you open it and like the, it peels back, but doesn't peel back. Right. And yeah. You sort of butcher it. Whereas like with the bag, you just put it in the jug, you snip sure. the, the corner and it's, it's good to go. Yeah. Plus I don't, I don't like like carton milk at the office. Like people touch that spout, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah. They pour it directly in to save themselves the glass. Yeah. Well, with Costco now, it's all like huge <laughs> jugs anyway. Uh, that's what everyone's tuned into to learn about the milk bowl. That's what oh, we yeah. call the battle the of Canada, bowl. the milk bowl. I think we can make it, uh, uh, make it, uh, trend. We should right? make like a trigger warning for lactose intolerant people. Ooh, that's, that's a good point. So we'll, so what we'll do is if we, we tweet out graphics and such as <laughs> there'll be the warning tweet and then the reply will include. Okay. 
something like that. Uh, but uh, no, we're going to get into uh, what went down this weekend in the Overwatch League, how the Toronto Defiant fared, obviously the Vancouver Titans, had themselves a little time off. And I say little, it's going to be a lot of time off, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, they aren't the only team who's going to be uh, kicking it back a little bit over the next few weeks. Um, so yeah, let's, uh, let's start pushing the payload. Moving the payload! Join me! So what happened? To the Toronto Defiant. I mean, we haven't really gotten into, obviously, the results, but let's talk about that first game. I was telling anyone who would listen to me that I felt the Toronto Defiant could take the Washington Justice. And seeing how the Justice played in their first match on the weekend, I'm like, my goodness, the Defiant have this one teed up. So how is it that the Defiant fall 3-0? Yeah, um, when we did power rankings, we spoke a lot about like the tiers, and then we had those funny names for them. But it seems like as you know, we went from week one to week two, and then more teams play each other. It seems apparent that Toronto might not be up in the uh, upper echelon of of the league. Like I also predicted uh, a closer match. I did predict like a three two for the Justice, but I I mm-hmm. definitely thought that Toronto may be going with the momentum from week one when when they went 2-0 and i mean they beat uh atlanta and they beat obviously vancouver and i thought it's going to be go go better i think here uh in in the the game against justice we saw a, a apparent uh gap i mean there were a lot of like n- close fights for sure but it seemed like apparent that to me at least that that mag was not contained we weren't able to do anything about him it was uh carrying them throughout the, the first map of oasis mm-hmm. there was one one uh acute moment of note uh during that map where where michelle was tossed onto the traffic and he jumped over a car that was probably the most decent play i saw from toronto from this map yeah. uh yeah it wasn't even close and then another thing that uh stood out is like even when toronto and gardens they they picked mag and you know how control maps are it goes back and forth and i thought well here we go there might be like a a more positive outlook to this one for toronto but and and they did start well i mean they they uh, they kept they did something that wasn't really a thing for them going forward but they won some lean fights and by by lean i mean no alts were invested and the percentage went well but uh and and even when like last year got assassin uh when things got really serious for Washington, when they had to win a fight, when they had to, unless, like, when they had to, like, uh, evade the loss, their response just came back and then they recapped. It was, like, 90% for Toronto and, and it just wasn't good enough. I mean, the, the EMP by Assassin was crazy and uh, nice to get pick and, and it was, like, a 2-0. I felt like this match in Oasis... Might have been close and, and we could have done better. Uh, the Toronto team could have done better, but like it set the tone and, and going into Anubis, um, there was a little bit of a like a change, obviously, in, in metas and whatever was played. I think they both played, uh, the, the double bubble. Mm-hmm. And then we saw, like, well, we spoke about Mag a little bit. This is where the like, decay show started happening and they always seem to like, Kind of find the first pick. Defiant started. I didn't mention it, but Defiant Defiant started on on defense, and you know we they, there was almost like six minutes, and uh, and 
for 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 um Washington to to cap point two, and there was like a good EMP from Assassin and two people lost, but you know it's two CP. The the response from Toronto were able to hold it off, and uh, something happened that that the the commentators thought might have been like a fluke, and it's something you don't really see very often. But Hisu got hacked out of e- his EMP. And uh, that was a pretty crazy moment. Uh, Assassin just hacked him out before he was able to, like, you know, do that <laughs> uh, um, animation. And then Washington kind of survived. And then they they finally got the the point with uh, zero left in the time bank. But um, and when Defiant went to defend, there was another mirror uh, double bubble. I think it was Ash and Echo is what people normally play now. And then. Like Decay and Fury, they played really well. There was a big gap, I think, in, in Anubis, especially from what uh, other tanks were able to do. And, um, yeah, and, and then Decay always, uh, sorry, not Decay, but Fury kind of was able to, to get those grabs that just wiped the team. And there was another uh, attempt that was, uh, was happening, but there was like a, I wouldn't call it C9 because it was a back and forth fight, but, when Washington went up 2-0, it was already feeling not great. And and finally, the last map, uh, Blizzard World, Defiant went on attack first. And Toronto, like, I think that was their most unfocused game yet. Mm-hmm. And the time was just running out. And the trades go both way. And then uh, a Hisu EMP seems to be enough to, like, tilt the scales. But, but Washington kind of f- fights back. And they still win out. And then, then another point where... where uh, Hisu uh, tried to like do another EMP and it was hacked again. Something that the people thought wasn't really might have been a fluke, but it happened again. And there was like only ninety percent on on the cap for Toronto and Defiant just on defense. It seemed like that's it. They're just going down. There was a simple nano um, nano monkey for Mag, and he goes in, and that's it. Hisu felt and a big grab and pulse. They they were just better executing. You know what what is usually used in this meta to win fights whether it's the the monkey in the nano monkey or, or the grav pulse everything was more organized the team was more aware of what bubbles were available and 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 when can they be used when to push when to not like something felt really disorganized about this game and despite like fights being you know some of the fights being close it never felt like uh toronto was in it at any point, like at least in yeah. my opinion. Well, I might walk that back slightly in so yeah. much that I felt that Anubis was where Toronto had an opportunity sure. and they weren't able to to capitalize. We're going to actually talk about Anubis on a little bit later on as being in a similar situation. But when we look at the justice and, and what we saw against Boston, there were holes. And it was sort of presented as, well, we were preparing for the Defiant we knew we just needed to get through the uprising, but I'd argue that the Vancouver Titans also exposed holes sure. in sort of the, the armor of the justice, specifically mag. And especially so, in this map too, right? It was exactly. the Anubis map. So I feel that, you know, is it possible that the defiant were preparing for the justice um, without acknowledging what we saw the uprising and the Titans accomplish or were they, and they just, was it a matter of a lack of execution? Because one of the things that sort of became apparent as the weekend went on was that where mistakes were made, the team that Toronto was facing was able to take advantage of them. Yeah. But when the roles were reversed, 
there was something missing there. Um, you know, the justice could make a mistake and the defiant weren't ready to go and, and become sort of foot forward aggressive. It's like there was no learning from mistakes. They, they just kept on happening. There was no adaptation in any yeah. of any kind. Um, one of our listeners, Jake Bryan, he actually has put together a, a summary for all the matches over the course of the weekend. Now, we won't be able to go through each of his sort of game summaries, as that would be a podcast onto itself. But I, I wanted to share some of uh, some of his game summaries. For the, the Justice Defiant match, he shares that Mag is his pick of the Rookie of the Year. He looks like a rabid dog on the Winston, and with the support of Fury on the Zarya, the Defiant just couldn't punish his dives. Toronto had a great opening weekend, and I do not think this loss should harm the confidence in this team. Hisu and Nace's performance on DPS demonstrated that Toronto could stay in the top six in NA. Toronto looks like a team that will surprise a lot of people, although they are unable to steal a map in this match. I'd like to highlight Fury's performance. We know how good Fury is, but his ability to keep Mag alive with clutch bubbles was great to see if you're a Washington fan. The all-star DPS player Decay was an absolute rock star on Tracer, and that's who he gave the, uh, the MVP to. And mm. I feel that Fury is able to bail Mag out. Probably right. more more often than I think he should, but I, I'm going to rewind a couple of years to where we used to say the same thing about Bumper. And how many times was Bumper, as a main tank, bailed out by a clutch SMS bubble or his yeah. support line, right? Like, ultimately, that aggressive main tank can just wreak havoc. And when we think about the dive element of, you know, being on Winston... When you have that nano monkey execution down pat and the ability to dive in, dive out, you need to be able to either accomplish that just as effectively on your own, or you're essentially stuck playing that passive yeah. defensive role. Maybe it's just not part of the plan or, or, or of the coaching strategy. Maybe like some teams like to put in more uh, resources into that main tank role. And maybe Toronto is not as heavily inclined to, you know, mm-hmm. give Sato all the all, all that support, because it it definitely seems like oh, for Washington, at least from watching some of their games, it's it's definitely a, a major key uh, uh, concept for them going into any map. Yeah, the uh, Justice, however, by beating the Toronto Defiant, locked themselves up with a perfect record put themselves in a phenomenal position going into uh, the uh, knockout round. Uh, But the Defiant themselves still had uh, a means to put themselves into the driver's seat uh, by winning against the London Spitfire and win they did. They won 3-1. This match wasn't close. Uh, It probably was never expected to be. And while we could suggest that the Defiant looked more comfortable and sort of had shaken off the the gremlins that had been uh, posing a, a, a problem against the justice. I don't feel that they, you know, showcase themselves as, yeah. as a top tier team. Like this is, this is where I kind of wonder if maybe we're now seeing Toronto more like that team that had to, again, clutch out a reverse sweep against the the rain but a team that could have easily lost to the rain. And if we were to consider that as a possibility, the defiant don't make the knockout. Like that, this no. is where I, I kind of feel that I was trying to elevate the defiant to being sort of this top tier team. Uh, but someone in one of the uh, podcast uh, um, discords that I'm, I'm a member of had suggested that the defiant are more like a gatekeeper. They're there, but they're the team that's going to essentially be the, 
uh, point to which you define whether you're competitive or not. Yeah. I, right. I, I, go ahead. I was going to say, I feel that's a little harsh because I think the define are better than that, but it's hard to argue right now because they, they're being outclassed by, by teams that are definitively a, a step above. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I somewhat agree with what you're saying in here. And, uh, to add to that, I think it became even more clear to me with the second game they played against the, the Spitfire that despite where we're going to go over it, obviously, but despite winning and going up 3-1, it didn't feel like a blowout. And a lot of these, uh, mm-hmm. uh, fights were so scrappy and messy. It's, it's an adjective that we used a lot for those, uh, um, for example, the, 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 the uh, the Spitfire, Spitfire's match against, uh, Vancouver. There were a lot of fights that, like, it looked bad. Doesn't matter if you want it. It didn't look like uh, a, a good game of Overwatch. Uh, no, I, I mean, uh, this, this eternal match against Vancouver. Yeah, right, yeah. right, right. I was going to say, Very unless you've watched the Spitfire Vancouver match that <laughs> I missed. Not yet, not yet. So we, we, we want to talk about it now, about the Define against Spitfire? Yeah, yeah. So like, sure. you know, the it, to your point, it was messy. It was that scrappy, messy affair. And even the best teams are going to have some of these matches where we actually saw a few of them in the, in the knockout phase where, you know, a top tier team is, is having that. So Toronto having a match like they did against the London Spitfire is not indicative in its own as being a team that's not top tier. It's just that we're starting to see different pieces that aren't quite right. And that's where I wonder if this break that Toronto is getting, I mean, let's let the cat out of the bag. They're not on their way to Hawaii, mm-hmm. um, is going to help the coaching staff better prepare and sort of iron out the kinks so that they're ready to go for the June joust. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it, perhaps it's, uh, what other teams say, oh, we, we just prepared for the better, uh, team on that week. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Toronto can afford to keep doing that. I mean, if you're Washington or if you're Dallas or, or the shock, and if you're you're having like two two games, and one is like a top tier team, and another is is a lower tier team, you you can do that. I don't think like the Define can afford that. No. The one thing that is becoming more and more clear to me, though, if we think of the collection of matches in May, but specifically this one, uh, Hisu and Naist, phenomenal top tier DPS. Yeah. yeah. And where I feel the struggle is is there's that there's and I, it's kind of like the same conversation we had about Vancouver last season. Is it the support or is it the front line and the tank? Sure. Like is where, where is the sort of the, the hole in that, that sort of cohesive unit? I don't know. And it's very evasive to actually point it. Cause some maps you'd have like a great showing from Aztec and some, some uh, maps you'll see a great outing by Michelle. It's hard to pinpoint. Definitely. I, I it's just like, uh, um, Shows again, like how much, uh, uh, nice and, and, uh, um, uh, nice and I forgot <laughs> the name evades me now. He's right. They have like a very clear synergy and it's like without even, you know, communicating. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but they seem to know what each other, what the other, uh, DPS is doing constantly. And, and maybe there's a problem of, of focused healing where the resources are going. Uh, there's a lot of, of things that like, we see a lot of, uh, substitutions in the back line. Maybe it's mm-hmm. still not set properly of, of who is going in, uh, or who, who they're screaming with. 
Yeah. And, and it seems like, uh, even in Volskaya, the first map, uh, like when Toronto were on the attack, I mean, fights, fights went back and forth. And, and then I feel like Sato, uh, was, uh, much better in this game, uh, as opposed to, you know, the game he had against, uh, uh Washington. But still, uh, they, they carry and they barely got that point in overtime, right? They capped the second point mm-hmm. in overtime in Volskaya, which, uh, led the Toronto kind of, uh, not doing great on, on their, uh, Toronto, on their defense, right? Because, uh, again, Michel got caught up by a pulse bomb. There, there were, were no bubbles and he was discorded. Uh, Ripa was really, uh, feasting on the Zen, especially in the time bank, uh, push when they needed just one, uh, one push, uh, to get that tick. A lot of, uh, um, Greedy plays, messy plays. I think uh, Nano Hisu got picked off, and and that's kind of what leads uh, London to to get, take advantage of these mistakes. And you can't afford that. Like I said, it's kind of like a common theme, uh, and that's when they went one one. And King's Row was a little bit better. Uh, there was a good pickoff again. <laughs> the the DPS carries uh, fights. Hisu got uh, got a good headshot arrow onto Blase. Blase went in, and he's kind of a scary uh, player when he plays the Doomfist, but not not very on other uh, characters. But again, it, it it evolves to like a poke match. But finally, once the time runs out, the like, Toronto were were able to cap the point. There was a good combination of ults there, Flux and Blizzard. Uh, uh, that were they helped like Tor- uh, London to stop Toronto a little bit and cap. But once like London, uh, they it seems like London were actually adapting more, trying different things. They had like a point when they went from both sides and they had like a pincer attack. But but uh, Hisu was definitely playing uh, outstanding uh, uh, game in this uh, King's Row map. And at the end of the day, Toronto. They were able to, you know, win this ensuing back and forth fight at, at the end. And, uh, th- there was a good shatter there that got blocked. Um, Hadi's shatter was blocked. And before they were able to come to point two, Toronto were able to hold. And, and then all you have to do is to get all, go all the way. And, and, um, Toronto, they, they chose to go Diva over the Sigma for, for mobility. And that's what you want to do in attack. And they lost like the first fight, but be- because London worked the high ground, but, Toronto were able to go go up uh, on the high ground, and they picked, I think, Hybrid at the start. Hybrid was actually pretty good. I was uh, pleasantly surprised with that guy, because I think that's the first time I actually got to watch him play. But I think at the end of the day, it was another scrappy, not not a clean fight for Toronto. Hisu went to the high ground, and he was the big factor. He, every time I want to compliment uh, a good play from Toronto, it's, yeah, well, Hisu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The we'll talk about this actually in the next next match because you talked about the the nanode hisu, but um, I, you know I'm going to sort of share a couple lines here from from Jake's summary. Uh, Aztec looked serviceable on Baptiste in the first map, which mm-hmm. is great to see. Nast and hisu looked good alongside the tank line of Sano and Michelle, which had some highlight reel plays in the match. Once the Defiant settle into this newer roster, their individual skill could clutch up and beat some top teams. I really think that Toronto could keep themselves in the top six in NA this season. I feel that's high praise. And if you're a member of Defiant Discord, because <clears throat> there are some who this weekend viewed this guy as 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 falling. Um, I feel that Toronto 
has a number of serviceable parts. And it's similar to a conversation that I had had with the crew in the weekly uprising uh, discord. Boston looks better than their record. And I feel Toronto does as well. The problem is that what are the solutions? I don't know, but with Toronto, it's, it's finding a way to be, you know, foot forward, aggressive and executing, um, with Boston, much bigger problems. But, uh, you know, what, what Jake is saying there, I think holds true. Toronto still has the potential of being a top tier team. It's just where they're at is more on the gatekeeper level. Yeah, it's a matter of expectations, right? What what are your expectations from this team? If you think like, oh, we're going to be a, a gatekeeper between the average teams and maybe the better teams, fine. Yeah, that's totally doable. But is this what you want? Are you content with that? Not because with this form, they're not going to make any of these, uh, um, you know, uh, outings at uh, Hawaii. Yeah. And I'm not sure if a, pl- a player uh, that you, you got over, uh, over you know, the offseason in Hisu, which is something that, like, the commentators like to remind us uh, constantly that he actually benched uh, uh, Carpe at some points on, on the uh, Florida, on, sorry, on, on Philadelphia. You will not be able to get that kind of talent in, in, mm-hmm. in the ensuing season. So what's the goal here? Yeah. So... With the Defiance record, uh, they found themselves having to then win a couple to get themselves to Hawaii. The first match being against the uh, Florida Ma'am. Now, when we Oof. recall, the Florida Ma'am took on the Vancouver Titans earlier in the May Melee, and the Ma'am looked beatable. I mean, again, the Vancouver Titans weren't necessarily the team to take advantage sure. of a team like <laughs> Florida, but a team like the Defiance. They seem to should, bleed. Right? It was 3 0 Ma'am. And. You know, I, I have at times said the record is not indicative of the match. Yeah. But outside of Anubis, Toronto looked like they were lost. Miserable. Even like at points where they had something to work with, like on Elios in second map, uh, mm-hmm. they had a point where Yaki was so exposed, uh, exposed playing the Echo without a mercy. Like, come on. Well, that so <laughs> on Ilios, first the first map... When the commentators are like, oh, I guess someone's taking the point. Oh, look, Toronto is deciding to back off. Right. Toronto had the huge C9 there. They had the first picks. Like, it was just weird. Um, It was almost like I often, when I I coached youth sport um, sort of back in the day, and uh, and I often referred to you need to be awake for the first pitch. You Mm -hmm. need to be awake for the first whistle. And if you're not, that's when you get punished. And I felt that that's sort of what happened to the Defiance. They didn't really feel like they were they were game ready. But okay, you know what? You lost that first map. But then, yeah, you start to see them miss opportunities, or when an opportunity was was essentially gift wrapped to them, not even notice that it was there. Like I just, I, I was I was beside myself. And, yeah. and I think this is where I started to actually notice is that that Nano Hisu. There was a moment where a nanode hisu in dead eye got zero value. Yeah. And I don't know what the benefit of a nano dead eye is in the current meta. Yeah, I think I I, I mentioned the phrase, the the term a downward a downward spiral from from the game of chess when whenever you like start bad and it just keeps on getting worse and worse and every mistake exacerbates whatever comes next. And it felt like that was the case uh with Toronto against Defiant, especially. Yeah, it was, it was difficult. Like, and even then the Toronto Defiant found 
their way on Anubis. They had multiple winning conditions. In yeah, fact, six minutes to work with off of their first cap on, on Anubis point one. Yeah. And, and in fact, like even on their defend, they, they were holding until suddenly they weren't like they, the, when the mayhem presented to them a slightly different, uh, rollout, the Toronto defiant mm-hmm. adapted and they, they held well, like it was, it was going <laughs> so, so well. And then um, the final push, it's always like the final push some, somehow. Yeah. Like it just like, you know, um, I think it was BQB got a, a, a that one dead eye pick. That's yeah. all that they needed. And yeah. then Florida goes in yeah. and just, okay, we're taking this point now. It's like a very impressive, uh, um, you know, house of cards, a tower of made of cards. You just take one and everything else collapses around. Like, I don't see what goes on there. Yeah. I mean, Yaki on tracer was just outright feeding. It was, it was unbelievable. <laughs> um, o- OGE was just having his way. And, and, and something that we saw when the man took on the, the Titans, we, we referred back to this gargoyle was finding ways to extend fights. Yeah. And the Titans had no answer to that the defiant ran into the same problem. Gargoyle was able to maybe in the words of, of Jake here, slip under the radar. Yeah. He, Gargoyle he allowed is OGE a, to play even with wild abandon. Very interesting point you're making it here with under the radar. Because, because like everybody knows who OGE is. He's like very a charismatic leader of, of that uh, tank line. But I'd say that the brain behind the entire Florida mayhem, operations the big engine is gargoyle i completely agree <laughs> that guy's really talented yeah and that arguably you know provides and I, you know the, and sort of looking at the the man specifically that provides them as a team um the ability to make mistakes sure knowing that they've got someone who's just you know the rock the this 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 you know very talented player, <laughs> those but, players that will jump into the stands to catch the exactly the ball, right, right? Like, you know, sure, there might be lost team fights, but um, Gargoyle almost empowers the Mayhem to stagger. Yeah. And that's that's all they need is to that extended fight, the extended opportunity. And sure, let's say in this particular case, the Defiant take a point. The Mayhem are still in a good position. That's a, you know, now that I think about it, I feel like that's the biggest uh, drawback of this Toronto rest, uh, roster, at least for now. It looks like there's no glue between the pieces and there's nothing you can fall back onto. If, if you're making a mistake, you're done. And uh, yeah, if we look at what was the last map there, King's Row. Oh, that's when Yaki went to feed. Yeah. It started out well, again, because uh, Hisu, <laughs> he, I think there was a point there where he went Hans or Widow, and they tried to do that uh, runaround strat that we saw from the Gladiators and other teams yeah. going around a long, long, long flank. And they took the first, and it looks so great, right? Like every fight, five, six minutes to go to push the payload. But Yaki, who feeds, he, he has he had a good like uh, post bomb on Hisu, and then once Florida were able to slow us down, uh, it seems like okay, now we're in a problem again, and it's like uh, this this situation constantly keeps keeps on happening. Like if you if your momentum is 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 stopped, you can't really go back to it for some reason like the level suddenly drops and mm-hmm. even there was a fight there i remember that nice got bqb but then uh yaki started like hitting those crazy headshot icicles with the right click maybe it's poor positioning i i don't know i don't know like what's going on there there was even a point there where, where yaki tactical crouches and, <laughs> and he keeps on like 
popping off and like destroying the Defiant. That same guy who just, you know, who used to feed before. You, Toronto does these things that give their opponents confidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and the mayhem were were oozing confidence. <laughs> Definitely. After, after they, this match, uh, yeah, so. and and the same the opposite could be said about Toronto like in that defense yeah. they it seemed like they they already they gave up. Yeah, they won well, every I, fight, every fight. I don't I wouldn't I wouldn't go as far as saying they gave up, but they were definitely boomed. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like sure. the 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 mentals unfortunately had had Maybe they just need, uh, uh, you know, it's like that uh, Reinhardt-looking stock footage guy that they're just using, uh, you know, the regular skins, and they need something to reignite. Something. Their- <laughs> yeah. yeah, those are those are great commercials. I love those. Oh, the um, the thing about this match, though, and I might suggest it's somewhat of a blessing in disguise, is Hopefully. that Toronto. Toronto by by losing, which is not good. Again, this is not the goal. But Toronto by losing does give them themselves the opportunity to work on on areas that you know we've we've talked about over the course of this episode that they may not have had actually the same opportunity or time to had they been off to Hawaii. Mm-hmm. If they were going to Hawaii, there were going to be a lot of logistical challenges. One of which was upon their return to Canada, a two week quarantine of which there would be a minimum of three days of isolation. So I think that if you were to say that this team was off to Hawaii, which is the goal, but has holes that they need to to deal with, they didn't necessarily have, yeah. have that time. And if that trip's been made, um, but again, I feel that Toronto, if you were to think about the goal being competitive in the month of May, they made it. They were competitive. Sure. And there are there are signs that this team is able to go and and remedy and turn things around. We can't say the same about the Vancouver Titans. Mm-hmm. Like the Vancouver Titans as a team have improved compared to what we saw at the end of last season, but the entire league has improved almost as much. Yeah, incredibly so. It's just a matter, like I said before, expectations are different for two of these teams. Um, yeah. and I feel like at least from this week, the letdown was, was quite large, at least for me personally with, with Tron, unfortunately. Yeah. If we move on to what else has been going on in the world of the Toronto Defiant and the Vancouver Titans, the Vancouver Titans, DBS Teru, uh, shared that his visa has been approved, Woo-hoo. which is good timing. Cause now he's got the opportunity to come to Vancouver to hang out with the rest of the team. He will, when he makes that trip find himself into those three days of required isolation and upon testing negative, uh, get himself some freedom. And by freedom, we mean go directly to your condo or place of domicile yeah. for the next, uh, you know, 10 days, uh, to complete your two week, uh, quarantine. But having him in Vancouver, I think is one good from a team synergy perspective, but this question has actually come up. When the Overwatch League institutes its minimum latency, how does that affect a player who's already on ping playing for a team who then in turn is playing against someone else on ping? So I wonder if we've actually seen the best out of Taru so far because of the ping issue. And we talked about this last season with the Titans and Shockwave. It would have been nice to have seen what Shockwave could have done, Hmm. you know, on the same server as the rest of the team. So I think it bodes well for the Vancouver Titans. Uh, One other note. The Vancouver Titans are looking for mods for their discord. Um, I uh, hold it as a badge of honor that all the, well, most of the current mods in uh, Titans Discord 
are also friends of our show. I mean, they're members of the RSP Corridor community and have been from the get go. So if there are any of you listeners out there who, you know, think you have what it takes to step up and help manage the, the discord, I mean, Titans cord is pretty quiet comparative to some of the others out there. Um, you know, please, please step up. And if there's anything that we can do to, to assist, uh, don't hesitate to ask. Should I apply? I mean, I'm almost as active on that discord as I am on ours. <laughs> yes omni you should yeah yeah i'll even write you a, a letter of reference uh, that might not help that actually might be worse yeah probably a letter of reference um toronto defiant what have they been up to well they have been contesting a ton of different things they actually have a cool contest right now skip skip the dishes uh where you can actually win an entirely like entire gaming setup oh it looks pretty sweet and, and so many people have been showcasing some of the, the Toronto swag and loot. It looks good. I got to admit, like I've, I've seen some really good stuff. Uh, I can't say the same about the Titans, not because it's not good. It's just that there's so little Titans merch available. And the only thing that I've actually seen is the, the jacket, which in its own right, the Titans jacket doesn't look too bad. Sure. The other cool news, and this is this is actually really cool, is that uh, at the start of the season, uh, the Overwatch League and one of their sponsors, Coca-Cola, sort of engaged on social, just asking people about, uh, you know, different questions. And uh, Super Mario 98, you might remember, is uh, someone who joined us on uh, the meta segment during the offseason. He scored uh, a Overwatch League champion gift package. And it, the package is cool. They get like a little trophy. You've got a, a, an actual name plated jacket, um, like a hat shirt. Like it's the full swag package. And I thought that's pretty cool that the overwatch league is looking for ways to engage, uh, their, the, the fans are, you know, across the world. Like we've seen stuff like this over the course of their, you know, now going into the, the fourth season, but, uh, it's pretty cool when you actually know someone who wins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I saw it. I'm like, oh, that looks really sweet. And it was, uh, I was happy to see that this, you know, Super Mario got this and, and the, the jacket or the hoodie, whatever you want to call it, was uh, looking very nice. Well, considering he's got a ton of uh, Defiant swag, he's got the Owl Champion gift package. I think the Defiant might have even sent him a care package too. That guy doesn't really need to buy like normal clothes anymore. Yeah, he has oh. his whole uh, decked out. Like, at some point in time, the Overwatch League is going to have to go and, and provide him a walk-in closet for all this, uh, all this stuff. Well, he's, I mean, he's almost got the equivalent of swag that Sam has in shoes. Hmm. Sam's, he's going to like be triggered by it. Like, no way. Whatever. Sam doesn't listen to the show anymore, does he? Uh, we can make fun. We can, we can let him know that we mentioned him. We'll see. Uh, but we'll take ourselves a, a short break here uh, before we dive into the fray. back at the week that was it's kind of a surreal week why because we had obviously the week starting on a thursday but also then going into the knockout round on the course on sunday so let me rapid fire through the matches which in turn is going to tell you who is on their way to hawaii 
Thursday kicked things off with the Atlanta Reign beating the Paris Eternal 3-0 and the Washington Justice beating the Boston Uprising 3-1. Then we saw the Guangzhou Charge beat the LA Valiant 3-0, the Seoul Dynasty beat the New York Excelsior 3-0, the match that you said you wanted to see. I'm not entirely sure you got the result you wanted. <laughs> yeah, not really. I was kind of disappointed. I, yeah, I, I got up to watch the recording, the VOD from yesterday and like, oh, is this it? <laughs> well, the uh, thing is, is it got you quick into the Shanghai Dragon Songzhou Spark match. Which wasn't which, much better. <laughs> no, it was also 3-0. Although going into that one, I don't think anyone had given the, the Spark a, a chance. No. We then saw the Uprising uh, struggle to beat London Spitfire, 3-2. They did get the win, but boy, uh, did it look like the Spitfire were going to pull that one out. Yeah. And then the San Francisco Shock, um, who had lost earlier, uh, they beat the Florida Mayhem 3-0. And this is when I, you look at the Mayhem and we, we can see sort of this team that's got holes. Obviously beat by a top-tier team. Mm-hmm. Um, we already know the Washington Justice, however, beat the Toronto Defiant. So going back to the Shock Mayhem match, this this is the, I'd mark this as a match to watch. You would mark it as a match to watch. And I'll be honest, I expected a far better showing out of the Florida Mayhem. But I also felt that this match reinforced the whole shock lose, and suddenly they decided to get yeah. mad. This was the first time we saw uh, Violet on McCree, right? Was it, was it this match? No, no, I no. We've think seen Violet so. on Was it in the first week, too? Yeah, yeah. Violet, he uh, W-keyed. He was, oh, yeah, he yeah, was yeah, McCree yeah, tanking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, the, but the the definitely, McCree I agree. Is... It looked like, oh, here we go again. Yeah, right? Like, especially after this one. It's like, oh, well, yeah, shock. They're, they're booking their plane tickets to Honolulu already. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we hours of the morning on Saturday, the Seoul Dynasty beat the Los Angeles Valiant 3-0. And then the Hangzhou Spark beat the Guangzhou Charge 3-0. What's going on out there? It's, uh, yeah. This was unexpected. I mean, not that the Charge were yeah, this is some- the favorite, but the Spark are going through some of their own crazy issues. I'm having seen sort of some of the highlights. Not pretty. No, not at all. Um, the Shanghai Dragons then uh, followed that up with another 3-0 by beating the New York Excelsior, who are not the New York Excelsior of old. No, not surgical enough. Nope. Uh, Florida Mayhem kicked off the uh, Saturday afternoon by beating the Paris Eternal 3-1, as where we talked about the Toronto Defiant yeah. beat the Paris Spitfire played 3-1. pretty well in this one, too. Like Again, well, a better showing against Mayhem. Sure, and this is where I feel that Paris, like when we watch what they were able to do against the Vancouver Titans, again, sort of low-tier team, there were signs of, of, of life. Yeah. And I kind of think the eternal might start to surprise. In fact, uh, those on there on, uh, our cow, uh, were telling us as much when we ranked them pretty low. Uh, they did. They did. <laughs> um, Toronto Defiant, as we know, beat the lens Spitfire three, one. And then the San Francisco shock won against the Atlanta rain, but they only won three, two. Yep. And Atlanta wasn't looking great up until that point anyways. Okay. When I, when I was watching this one, I was like a weird one. Yeah. Cause you think about it, like against the ma'am, the shock had decided, okay, we're never going to lose again. They're just going to go and, you know, sweep the table. Then they go and play the Atlanta rain who I don't know what to think about the rain. Yeah. They're kind of like Toronto in a way, mm-hmm. maybe, a bit higher, but still very awkward to consider. Maybe it's a matter of what 
what uh, maps they play. And if is it the Rush Comp or the Double Bubble, <laughs> but it's all over the place for me too. But the Shock got the win and good teams find a way to win. So that brings us into the uh, the Sunday knockout stage. So over in uh, the uh, APAC region, the Shanghai Dragons oh, what a match! This one had fun. to fight tooth and nail against the Philadelphia Fusion to get out a 3-2 win. Yeah. And then Chengdu Hunters, who are apparently <laughs> top tier. Yeah. They beat the Seoul Dynasty 3-1. So these are the two teams that I had predicted that were, were coming out of. With oh, really? Shanghai and Chengdu. I, I, I Shanghai predicted the, ex- well, the exact opposite of whatever happened. But yeah, I thought Philly's going to. I knew that it's like a gamble to go against Shanghai. But I felt like, you know, I have the, the weakness for Philly for some reason ever since yeah. season one. But yeah. Yeah, so that that got me my uh, my pick and points. Um, we go into the the NA side as we already know. The Florida Man beat the Toronto Defiant three zero. Now, the caveat here is that the loser was going to have to take on the powerhouse of the Washington Justice. So, quite frankly, either Florida or Toronto were going to be hard pressed, and whoever were to probably take on the Washington Justice if they magically got past the Justice had to contend with one of the San Francisco Shock or the Houston Outlaws, right? <laughs> but what happens in the Dallasville San Francisco shock match? Uh, I, I can you explain this to me? Yeah, I I think someone said it best in in the talent team. He said, "Well, the Dallas finally beat the fuel." <laughs> <laughs> no kidding! And it's they they beat the shock three zero. Oh the my shock goodness! Were, we're having they were shits. shocked. <laughs> oh god! I think I said it in Discord. The shock were shook. Oh my goodness! Dallas. And- I was, we were watching and both Lena and I, even Lena, she's not like watching every game. Obviously she'd like tune into uh, a game or two (laughs) during a month. But this was, she was like watching, like watching a a car accident happening. She's like, is is this the shock losing this badly? Well, and this is, this is the thing about the Dallas fuel right now. I was talking to a a friend of mine and who's a, he's actually a big Houston Outlaws fan, but being from Texas, he uh, follows the fuel. He feels the doubt or he feels the Dallas fuels. He fuels. Uh, He feels the Dallas fuel are presenting these sort of off meta picks that are presenting problems for teams because they're, they're, they're preparing for a meta that Dallas can't meet. I mean, no XZ. Yeah. They're having to adapt. And that in turn allows Dallas to play to their strengths. We we've talked about this on our show back in the goats days where you saw teams that obviously couldn't play goats. And then go instead of going comfort, they're like, ah, screw it, let's go goats. And we presented this question to KDG and and to Justin, and they sort of said, oh, you got to play with the meta. I think Dallas is proving you don't. Yeah, we see the Genji occasionally. We see a bunch of stuff happening there. I mean, Sparkle and Doha are really, really good. It's uh, it's uh, quite. Quite a good situation where you lose uh, a player like XZ and you still have like uh, uh, roll stars or whatever you want to call it. But yeah. man, like, what can you say more about Fearless and Hanbin? Especially Fearless. Guy was just going out of his mind. And he was well, fearless playing. Fearless was Fearless. Yeah, against Choyobin and, and Smurf or Super. Wow. It looked like they were, um, you know, uh, Fearless, uh, Choyobin was outclassed and then Super was outclassed. Unbelievable game, really. Yeah. Uh, this sets up the the weird battle of Texas that's next going to happen. Um, but we lead into the Mayhem uh, Justice match where we expect the Washington Justice to have their way with the Florida Mayhem team 
only to find that the Washington justice fall three, one in a match that Florida, I don't look. Okay. I actually wondered this. We already heard that the justice prepared for the defiant and overlooked the uprising. Had the justice maybe started thinking happy Hawaiian thoughts? Maybe, maybe like how good are the Florida mayhem really? It's another one of those, uh, uh, one more, uh, mystery to add to the pile of mysteries so far i mean it's no longer a mystery right well no and i mean og he was just he was having a match yeah. like og mag was, uh, it was his first like not great showing well but the thing is what we saw from the justice and like i think when we talk about mag being that weak link the florida man were like yeah that that guy we're better than him so let's let's focus let's put him into a position that the team around him can't support or if they were to try to opens up other areas and the mayhem took advantage of this. This is sort of what I think the Toronto defiant needed to do. Uh, what I think the Vancouver Titans and the Boston uprising right. showed was possible, just not good enough teams to, uh, to do that. So it, it just felt to me that the, the justice didn't have an answer. Like they were, they're an aggressive team when things are going well. And then when things don't, they're like, Oh my God, what do we do? We don't have a plan B. Yeah, very disappointing showing out of them. Not just because I lost points, but <laughs> yeah, strange. But uh, Florida Mayhem are 3-1 winners. They're off to Honolulu, and uh, they'll be joined by a team from Texas, <laughs> not named Houston Outlaws. Yeah, Dallas, another 3-0. Yeah, and this is okay. Ooh. So first of all, Dante, was there was concern about Dante because he had had some surgery, yeah. um, some delicate surgery. Oh, my goodness. Uh, and uh, it was shared that he was going to be playing. So when that announcement came out, I think most people were like, good. The Outlaws, they got this good. And uh, they, uh, they bring Dante out on the Torb. Oh. I, I, I don't get that pick. I think it was like, I get that they're maybe thinking that Dallas is playing off meta. And so they're going to go and structure their picks to prevent the flank. Yeah, I mean, Torb is a good pick in some situations. I don't think it was something that they didn't try or didn't recalculate. I think something that hit him really hard is the fact that uh, they didn't play this entire week weekend. Uh, it's been a while. Maybe this is kind of like what caught him. Maybe they were preparing for the shock. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was It was so weird. and he, Like, because uh, I... I'm, yeah, the the yeah, I, the fuel and the shock couldn't be more different in style. Maybe that's part of it, but not even the the Jake Brig was enough to hold off the fuel. I, well, they might have had if they were going to go and play off, off meta. Why didn't just put the the Jake Junkrat out there? Yeah, Django he looked um, he looked fallible. Like I've I've compared him to sort of what we saw at a bumper in the, mm -hmm. in the you know. <laughs> Season two, Vancouver Titans. Um, he looked fallible, and uh, arguably, um, when you you see who he was up against in, in Fearless, not uh, not to be you know undervalued, but he, he finally found uh, someone or someone who is his peer, if not better. Um, but off meta and and Dallas just having the momentum seemed to be all they needed, mm -hmm. and the Houston Outlaws outlawed. <laughs> But that brings us to uh, what's going to be happening uh, this weekend. And that is where you have the uh, Shanghai Dragons and Chengdu Hunters kicking back where they currently are in the APAC region. Well, you have Florida Mayhem and the Dallas Fuel heading to Honolulu in a very controlled environment. They're not going to Hawaii to enjoy 
the surf and sun. Uh, from what I understand, these two teams, they're going to see the hotel and they're going to see the university of Hawaii campus that they're going to be playing on. And that's it. But kicking the weekend off of the Shanghai dragons of Florida mayhem at 7 PM Pacific, 10 PM Eastern on Thursday, May 6th, followed by the Dallas field Chengdu hunters at eight uh, 30 PM Pacific, 11 30 PM Eastern. And if you're curious, why so late? I think they're trying to entertain the possibility of a Hawaiian market, but also an Asian market. And the fact that they're still getting sort of Western North America and a little bit of the East. Unfortunately yeah. for the EU, it's going to suck. Yep. The matches, uh, however, are going to be evening slots and, uh, it culminates in a, in a final on uh, Saturday at uh, 6 PM Pacific. That's yeah, still, still viable. I'd say. Who do you uh, who do you have winning this? Winning the entire thing, yeah. The dragons, same. And I, I was I struggled here because I have so I have actually the I have the hunters and dragons winning that first match, playing then playing each other. Yeah. I have the fuel getting past the mayhem in the first loser bracket, and then I have the uh, the hunters falling to the fuel. Okay. In the second, uh, and then Shanghai beating the fuel. It's. Similar to mine, just the journey is a little bit different. I also have the Dragons beating the Fuel in the finals. But for me, the loser's bracket is the Mayhem. Uh, sorry, not. I, I, I predicted that like Dragons are going to win, beat the Mayhem. The Fuel beat the Hunters. And uh, Mayhem beating the Hunters in the loser's bracket. And then Mayhem... Uh, facing a Fuel team? No, or? facing the Dragons, actually. Oh. I predicted the Dallas beating... Uh, Shanghai 3-2, but then Sh- Dragons meet him again in the finals and beating them 4-2. Okay, okay. I, so I can, both uh, of us, we, we've we got some spice. I think like those rematches are detrimental to the team. If there are any rematches, detrimental to the team that, that wins the first uh, instance. But, and that, that's how I approached it, is rematch generally goes to the, uh, the yeah. other side. But, uh, I mean, again... Considering how our, our picks uh, rolled out this uh, last week, what do we know? Do we- <laughs> Especially me. Everything that I predicted, not going to happen. So with uh, just the May Melee uh, you know, playoff tournament uh, to go, uh, I have found my way back up into sort of fourth place. I'm actually tied for fourth with 85 points with Kevin and Kent. Um, but our top three are Altiro, uh, from our friend Nerf Disc podcast, uh, four sheep is in the second place and, uh, Alan, uh, OW is in third, uh, sheep and Altiron are pretty close. 98, 95, mm-hmm. uh, Alan's then at 88 and sort of there's, there's definitive gaps here. Um, you, you're, you're at 79. Oh. That's respectable for someone who missed the first. I week. was close to, to catch up, but that this season is long. It is. And, and let's be honest, you have the June just to also look at. Cause the way it's going to work is like each one of sort of the stage will be on their own standalone. And then there's the obviously total for 2021. Sure. What else is going on in the overwatch league? Well, they shared after our last episode went live that they had released a May skin MMA for purchase 200 uh, tokens. So you have some, you know, spending to do if you like it. I'm not, I like the intricacy of the design, but I'm not big on the design, if that makes sense. Uh, not one of my favorites. I think it's fine. I don't know if it's worth 200 League tokens, though, compared to what, what we saw before. It seems <laughs> like uh, one of those... Uh, it definitely is a, a legendary, but 
not on the same tier of no. others that we saw. Yeah, I think that yeah, it's actually a fair point. I think if it was if it was cheaper, I might I might drop the tokens on it. Yeah. It might be like oh, I'll buy it because I don't know if I'd ever actually use that skin. Uh, the other news that came out is if you watch four hours of the May Melee uh, tournament. Uh, you'll get uh, rewarded with an Anna skin. Oh, that one's now, uh, you know, just to point out, you need to make sure that you've gone and like linked your YouTube account with your Overwatch account, and you have to ensure it actually says that you're logged in. Yeah. Um, otherwise, you don't watching four hours gets you nothing. Yeah. Another but, thing, uh, it can't it can't be like a, a, a branded account like the. If you have an account that doesn't like carry your uh, personal oh, name, yes. that's another thing you got to look out yeah. for. But the the Anna skin, it's basic. It's it's Overwatch League branding, yeah. but it's it's nice and yeah, it's free. Good so colors and Anna looks good in any skin, really. Oh, another thing you should uh, remember is you got a spam uh, exclamation. Oh, exclamation drop! Yeah, drops all the time, all the time, nonstop. Otherwise, in fact, you're not you, getting anything. Yeah, every time you say something other than that in chat, it resets the counter. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, I have had it on a good authority that if you use exclamation drop in all the team discords, that gets you bonus entries. I'm sure. Free nitro. <laughs> oh my goodness. RSP is going to get blacklisted. Um, speaking of getting blacklisted, Sabi Oldby has rumored to have created a storm mm. uh, for some of the China based Overwatch League teams. The hot rumor right now is that during the stream, Sabi Olby had referred to a unified China. Um, and uh, as a result, the teams based in China are boycotting uh, this old dynasty or based on these comments. Now, it's unclear if it's just scrims, if, it's, if there's actually any upset. But considering the you know, country's stance on what we would call Taiwan, um, but as well, Hong Kong, Hong Kong and, yeah. and that it's and not, any any sort of criticism of its you know ruling party. Well, and we've but we've also seen Activision Blizzard take a tough stance against casters and players <laughs> who have brought up these issues that relate these geopolitical issues, and they've they've been hit hard. So I'm genuinely curious what this means. Like if you have a team that is going to boycott a match, that puts significant strain into your your league structure. Yeah, I think we're now at a fork in a road of this either being hushed hushed and silenced and we never hear about it again, or if uh, another uh, brave soul steps up uh, and supports Sabiolbi, we might see like things go out of hand because. You know, it, it really reminds me of of um, the shut up and dribble fiasco, or the more mm-hmm. than an athlete stuff from the NBA. And then when when um, I think it was the the GM of the Houston Rockets at the time, and he criticized China. And we know like everybody is uh, likes to be uh, very righteous until until the corporation is hit with you know serious economical implications because. Uh, it's hard to compare like us or any other person uh, to Sabiolbi because if we like speak about such issues, our you know livelihood or our careers are not in jeopardy as his might be. 
Mm-hmm. So I don't know how this uh, goes on. This is very uh, sticky situation. It is, and I mean, take it a step further. And these geopolitical issues and how it relates to Activision Blizzard or the Overwatch League um, add significant complexity. Sure. So if the Overwatch League were to take a a stance, a more righteous stance. That has significant implications as to whether or not they can continue to do business in China, where they have teams based and in turn look at a potential, not only fan base, but player base. I don't know the answers. Unfortunately, this is a level of complexity within business that I, you and I aren't aren't involved in. Um, I am of the opinion that there are some changes that need to occur, but you raised the other fair point. Like how much does that impact yeah. our own personal livelihoods? It doesn't. Um, I, I'm not going to go and sit here and say, Hey, overwatch leg, you know, wrong call necessarily. Yeah. But I may not necessarily also agree with, with the take, like, you know, there are certain issues and we've gotten into some tough issues on our podcast that we will take a tough stand on as, as individuals though. Right. Correct. And that's why I always, stand behind my belief that well whenever you see these uh social causes brought up or campaigns it's always you know oh insert uh corporation name here we care about insert social mm-hmm. cause here while it doesn't like put them in a bad light or or jeopardize their bottom line uh it, it all should be taken with a grain of salt uh, like <laughs> yeah but again, what we're talking about is still sort of rumor and conjecture. Yeah. Conjecture. We haven't seen anything um, official, right? Yeah. No, nothing at all. And and uh, Gatun Chung, who who was uh, the one who sort of translated a lot of the the content, um, I want to say it was out of, off of Weibo, but it, it might have been somewhere else. The point being is that uh, there is more to this story to be told, I would imagine, and some clarity will be acquired at some point, or we but, won't hear anything ever again. Yeah, or, or we will hear nothing, and at that point, it. True or not, it no longer exists. Yeah. Anywho, here we are at the end of uh, another solid episode. Uh, we got a lot to, to talk about, obviously, next week with the result of the May Melee tournament. And then we get ourselves a, a break in action. Uh, there'll be a couple of weeks before we see Overwatch League resume. That doesn't necessarily mean the podcast is going anywhere. We're going to continue to come to you weekly. We just need to figure out what we're going to talk about in that sort of off week. Any suggestions? Basketball? I did have that bet with <laughs> Sam, didn't I? Yeah. Maybe. I mean, it, actually, for the sake of transparency, I pitched this to Sam to get it over and done with earlier on, and he's like, dude, I just retired from the show, and you want to bring me back already? Yeah. Well, we, and we brought him back, back to, once. He subbed in for me, yeah. so I imagine he'll use that again. He's like, no, 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 I've been, I've been back already once. But see, this is the thing is he's, he's holding this over my head. I think that's what he appreciates most. Yeah, he likes this position of power over you. Yeah, I think that's what it is. But we'll, we'll figure out what to, what to talk about. Maybe we'll have a guest. Maybe we'll talk about basketball. Maybe we'll talk about uh, Mule, the old uh, Atari game. Did you ever play that? No, I didn't. Like my first gaming thing uh, is is the NES. I never went back as, oh, okay. as the Ataris. I it, it I was watching this uh, documentary on CBC. Actually, it was pretty cool. Primetime CBC oh, really? was showing a documentary on the history of, of, of video games, huh. 
And uh, they were talking about Atari and how they had introduced this this game called Mule, uh, essentially M.U.L.E. Uh, and the moment I heard the music, it's like, oh, oh my yeah. God, this game, the memories. Um, you can find it online yeah, through emulators. Right and, now. and then there was actually someone who got the license to make a remastered version. It was on mobile. It was ava- It's still available on Steam, but the mobile version is no longer available. They sunset it, and I only hazard a guess that the sunset took place because of the ability to support the evolving mobile ecosystem became much more complex. Mm-hmm. But it's just, it's, it's, I'm not going to suggest it's a phenomenal game. My memory tells me I had so much fun playing it, but then I remember the first time I played Pong. Wow. I had a lot of fun. At least it's better than E.T., right? I never, okay. I never played <laughs> E.T., but as everyone knows, good luck trying to find a copy of that anywhere because yeah. it was, well, it, it was a very, it looks kind of good now that I'm looking game. at the gameplay video or whatever that is. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's quirky, but. Trust me, it's it has so like much fun. management to it. I see you buy and purchase. Very cool. Well, but that's the thing. Like you think back to the the structure of video games, with the, the Atari. There's only so much complexity that you could accomplish, and and many of these games, you know, they were like eons yeah, ahead. Trailblazer. Of, of, yeah. Well, now I mean, your your calculator is more powerful well, yeah, but, than the Atari console. But that's the magic, right? I see the 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 comment here by. Daniel Thomas uh, McInnes. He says that just about the greatest video game ever made. So I'll take his word for it. <laughs> I don't know who that is. Oh, just a random comment here on the gameplay oh, okay. uh, video. I thought I thought it was an actual someone. Uh, no, no, no. But it's, okay. Like, why don't I know that name? Uh, apologies, Daniel. I don't mean to consider you nobody. Oh, anywho, uh, any final words of wisdom for all of our listeners there, Oni? Yeah, so the first Western explorer to visit the Hawaii archipelago was the British explorer Captain James Cook, who named them Sandwich Islands in honor of the Earl of Sandwich. The very same who later lent his name for the great, great uh, food. Interesting. That was a fun fact. Um, My Hawaiian tidbit. It's interesting. We didn't coordinate this, but I was actually going to share Hawaiian tidbit. Did you know that I got married by Hawaiian royalty? No, I did not. But I did see some of your photos on Facebook, and I I do dist- I don't remember much, but I distinctly remember the Hawaiian pattern shirts. Yeah. <laughs> so the the officiant for our our wedding when I got married in Maui uh, was Laki Kaamanu. Now uh, you can look up Laki's history, and there's some maybe debate that he's not the like great great grandson of Queen Kaamanu, but the point is, I got married by Hawaiian royalty. That's all that matters to me. And even if it wasn't Hawaiian royalty, Lockie is famous. There is an episode um, of, oh gosh, what's that TV show now? Oh man, my, my memory has, has failed me. Uh, but there was this episode of this TV show, um, Modern Family, that uh, they had an episode where um, a couple were getting married in, in Hawaii. And guess who the efficient was? It was Laki Kaamanu. That's, That's who married cool. my wife and I. Yeah, there's your Hawaiian uh, fact. If there's ever like RSP Triple Pursuit. Huh. So if you're looking for us online, however, and you haven't found us yet, it's readysetpone.com. And I'm going to hope if you reach this point of our show, you've already subscribed to it. But if for some reason you haven't, we're in every podcatcher out there. Just smash that subscribe button. Something else that you could do if you wanted to you know, spot us a favor, tell a friend about our show. In fact, take it a step further. 
Talk about our show on social media. Let others know about this show. It's a phenomenal podcast. We're the number one podcast, according to Google, for the Vancouver Titans, <laughs> for the Toronto Defiant, and we're front page when it comes to the Overwatch League. I'll admit, there might be some other Overwatch League-centric podcasts that do a better job on covering the entire league than we do, but that's not our, our focus. We cover a little bit of everything, right? Yeah, a little bit. Just enough. We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, at ReadySetPone. And one final note, we'll talk more about this sort of in the off uh, week. We're not a supporters group. That's not to suggest we don't support the teams we cover, but we're not a supporters group. And uh, why that might be important to know is that you may occasionally see us be critical. Mm -hmm. Do not be alarmed. We want these teams to succeed. In fact, our hope is that the Milk Bowl is the Overwatch League final. Definitely. But on behalf of Omni, at Omni Strength, myself, Chris, at Lightforce, I'm going to sign off this episode with those magical words. Catchphrase! Thank you.